Everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of the Fibber McGee and Molly block of shows and Fibber and Molly. This episode is from 1947, December 2nd, and it's called Duck Hunting and Our Miss Brooks from 1954. The episode is from October 24th, 1954. Stretches in Love and You Bet Your Life from 1950 and April 5th. The secret word is smile, S-M-I-L-E. Enjoy all these, and I'll see you all back here next week. God willing, and the crease don't rise. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Do you sometimes wish you could make your kitchen linoleum bright and smooth as the day it was new? If you do, I have some good news for you. Of course, now, I can't promise to make an old piece of linoleum brand new, but I can come mighty close. All you need, Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. It's easy to apply, there's no rubbing or buffing, and glow coat takes only a few minutes to dry. But what a difference that shining coat of wax makes to your kitchen floor. You'll say it hasn't looked so smooth and bright in years. Its color's never so fresh and gay. You see, the shine you get with Johnson's Glow Coat is brighter than ever today. In fact, almost twice as bright as before. And listen to this. Johnson's Glow Coat will also save you lots of work. Dirt and spill things wipe up so easily with just a damp cloth. Try it. Brighter than ever, Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat. There's no easier way to bring out the beauty of the home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. place in Wistful Vista tonight is the living room at number 79, for Mr. McGee is planning a hunting trip. Yep, every year at this same time, he goes out to the same lake to shoot the same gun at the same ducks. With the same luck, no ducks. (laughs) Mrs. McGee is helping him gather his gear as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, I can hardly wait to get out to Dugan's Lake tomorrow, you know, and Molly, that place is crawling with ducks. I bet there's a million mallards milling around out there. Well, I hope the ducks are as eager as you are, dearie. Yeah, let me see now. I got my lunch basket, shotgun shells, hip boots, my cigars, shells. Hey, I wonder if I ought to take some dry socks. What are you wearing now, wet ones? Well, I will be, or maybe I ought to just patch the leak in my boots. 
No, it's easier to take dry socks, I Well, think. now, you take plenty of warm clothes. It gets pretty cold out of Dugan's Lake, you know. Don't worry, I'll be warm. Oh, hey, my bathing suit. Don't let me forget my bathing suit. Bathing my... suit? Why your bathing suit? My shotgun's rolled up in it. Oh. <laughs> Keeps it from getting rusty. Now, let me see. I'll take my hunting knife, my shells, and my stocking cap. Say, myself. incidentally, who's going on this wild goose chase with you, anyhow? Not wild geese, Tootsie. Ducks. Well, <laughs> if I remember your last duck hunt, it was a goose chase, dearie. Uh... <laughs> Hello, if you want somebody to go along, Oh, I'm... didn't I tell you, Doc Gamble and I cooked up the trip. Wilcox and Foggy Williams are going with us. They're going to pick me up here in Doc's car at 4 o'clock in the morning tonight. What time is it? Why, it's 7.30. 7.30. My, I'll bet you will have a lot of fun. Yeah. I suppose the... Uh... Car will be crowded with the guns and all. Huh? Oh, no, we'll, we'll have plenty of room. Now, let me see. I don't want to forget my shells and my duck call and my sweaters. Come in. Well, Horatio K. Boomer in person. Hi, Boomer. Come in, Mr. Boomer. Thank you, my little buttercup. Greetings to you, butterball. <laughs> hey, Boomer, what are you going to be doing tonight at 4 o'clock tomorrow morning? Sir, that question is an unwarranted intrusion upon the privacy of a duly qualified citizen. I refuse to answer on the grounds that anything I say might incriminate me. It always does. Himself is going hunting, Mr. Boomer, for ducks. Yeah, I and Doc Gamble and Wilcox and the weatherman, Boomer. Care to go along? I'd love to, my boy, except for one thing. I have a date with a friend of mine at 4 o'clock in the morning to go house hunting. Oh. Yes, see. Careless fellow, imagine anyone losing a house. <laughs> Maybe he just forgot his address, Mr. Boomer. No, I wrote it down myself, my dear, in my address book. Got it right here in my pocket. Address book. Where do I put that address book? Oh, dear. Here's an interesting thing a used car dealer gave me. set of Cadillac hubcaps to use when selling an Oldsmobile. (laughs) Here's a beaver top hat. (laughs) Those little fellows must look cute in top hats. (laughs) Here's an invitation to a coming out party for a friend of mine. Just finished a stretch for tall johnning a truck. Tall johnning a truck? Hijacking to you, plowboy. <laughs> now, what did I do with that address book? Here's an eight ball. Gift from the chief of police. Spent so much time behind it, they let me bring it home. <laughs> uh, what have we here? Oh, yeah, small pocket mold for making buffalo nickels. No kidding, Boomer. Can you really make nickels with that thing? Yes, indeed. Highly impractical, though, my boy. Cost 50 cents a piece to make them. <laughs> Here's a check for short beer. Well, well, imagine that. No address book. If you'll excuse me now, I must go down to the barber shop for a haircut. <laughs> be very interesting to watch somebody clip me for a change. <laughs> Happy hunting, Mallet Mouth. Farewell, farewell. Go on, man. Where was I when Boomer came in? Oh, yeah, now let me see now. I want to take plenty of matches to build a fire to dry off when I fall in the lake. When you fall in the lake? Do you always fall in the lake when you go duck hunting? Well, sure, don't everybody? My gosh, you can't fire a double barrel shotgun standing up in a boat and leaning over backwards. Or... <laughs> hey, I don't want to forget my boat. Boat? My 16-man rubber life raft that I bought at the war surplus store. Oh. You know, the one that got inflated in the living room, remember? How could I forget it? Ah, uh, that baby gets its first workout on this trip. For once, I'm going to have a big boat big enough for everybody. Oh, wonderful. 
You know, I remember when you bought it, you said I could go with you this year, you know? As soon as it gets warmer, kiddo. You wouldn't want to go on a day like tomorrow's going to be, cold and clammy. I wouldn't mind the weather, dearie. I think it would be fun to go along. Oh, you wouldn't like it, Molly. It's too rugged. Hey, if you're going upstairs for anything, bring down some sweaters for me and stuff, will you? All right. I suppose you know best. You betcha. Ah, there goes a good kid. She knows I don't think she ought to go. So is she going to be sweet and reasonable about it? No, sir, she'll heckle me all night. (laughs) She wants to go hunting the worst way, and if there's any worse way than with me in a rubber boat, I don't know what it is. (laughs) Come in, come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, (laughs) Teeny. Say, aren't you out a little late, sis? It's almost 8 o'clock. Sure. I went to the movies and stayed for three pictures and... Hey, what you doing with all the stuff pile up there, mister? Watch ya. I'm going hunting in the morning, sis. Duck hunting. Out to Dugan's Lake. Oh? Uh-huh. <laughs> My daddy likes to go duck hunting a bit, Yeah? He always gets something when he goes hunting, too. <laughs> he does, eh? Sure. Hmm? I says he does, eh? Who does? Your daddy. That's why. Always gets something. When? When he goes hunting. I know it. <laughs> oh, boy. He's got a wonderful hunting dog, too, I betcha. He always takes him. Hmm. He's a setter. The dog? No, my daddy. Oh. <laughs> he just sits on a log and waits till a duck's come over. <laughs> oh, that's very intelligent. Sure. He doesn't like to get his feet wet. Your daddy? The dog. Oh. (laughs) Sometimes he doesn't get a single duck, but he always comes home full of chiggers. The dog? Both of them. Oh. (laughs) Hey, mister. Ask me what's his name. Go on, ask me. Okay, what's his name? My daddy? No, the dog. Oh. (laughs) Oh, boy. You'll be glad, I bet you. Yeah. Our dog's name is Mr. McGee. <laughs> no kidding. Named your dog for me, did you, sis? Sure. My daddy named him. Oh. He says he's always hungry, he sleeps all day, and he's always putting a bite on somebody. <laughs> in the orchestra and Tallahassee.
see. I got my gun, my shells. Hey, what time is it? Oh, my gosh, 10 o'clock already. Well, I'll have to hurry. Let's see. I got my shells, my thermos bottle, lunch basket, my sweaters, extra sweaters. McGee. Blankets. Huh? <laughs> I'll bet you'll have a wonderful time out there tomorrow. Yeah. You know... I wouldn't get in the way at all if you'd only let Oh, now, you and I'll go hunting one of these days, Molly, when the weather's nicer. Gee whiz, this is no trip for a woman. Cold wind blowing, maybe drizzling rain, probably won't get any ducks. And besides, after I've crawled half a mile through four inches of ice water, dragging a 16-man life raft and carrying my shotgun and get to the lake to find I left my shells in the car, I talk awful. sound like much fun. Uh-oh. Come in. Oh, it's Dr. Gamble. Hello, doctor. My gosh, you're not ready to go yet, Doc. It's only 10 o'clock. No, no, just on my way home to get some sleep. Great Scott, what are you packing for, Admiral? Huh? Trip to the South Pole? We're just going out to Dugan's Lake, you know. Yeah, well, I like my comfort medicine, man. And who'll be the first one to turn blue and start beeping for a blanket out there? You will. And I got two of them sewed together here so they'll reach almost clean around you. <laughs> Doctor, I'll bet you boys will have fun out there today. I'd we'll love... Little, little scattershot here will watch his gunnery, my dear. Oh. Last time I went duck hunting with him, I was too busy ducking to hunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about my gunnery, bullseye. I was raised with shotguns and high-powered rifles. I've always been known in gun circles as strictly a high-caliber guy. Yes, I've heard that said about you many times. Oh, really, Doctor? Not in those exact words, of course. They usually say, here comes that big boar, McGee. (laughs) (laughs) Don't change the subject, Fatso. We're talking about hunting. And for your information, I've been hunting ducks for 30 years. That long, McGee? Certainly, and one of these days I'll get one, too. (laughs) And you'll deserve it, my boy. I've watched you on hunting trips before, and you ought to get the bird. That's better, Doctor. I appreciate your respect. You're not saying that just because you admire me. No, I'm not. Believe me. Is this your first hunting trip this season, Doctor? Yes, I've been too busy with other people's trips so far, Molly. Mort Toops gave me a frantic call yesterday. Yeah? I went over to his house and probed a hat full of birdshot out of the fleshy part of his brother-in-law. You ought to watch yourself out hunting, Doc. You walk so much like a duck that anybody's liable to make a mistake. (laughs) Thank you, my boy. Look, do you mind if I give you a few simple rules to follow out at the lake tomorrow? Not at all, Doctor. Rattle them off. See if I carry scabibbles. Well, (laughs) in selecting a target out there tomorrow, I wish you'd remember just three things. Mm -hmm. If it has horns, it's a cow. If it has overalls, it's a farmer. And if it gets up off the lake with yellow bill, webbed feet, and green feathers, don't shoot. I've already got a bead on it. (laughs) I'll see you at four. Good night, Molly. Go on, Be careful out there, McGee. Dr. Gamble is, isn't he? He talks careful, sure. 
But there's the guy to watch with the gun, Molly. My gosh, last time we went hunting, Doc shot three guys before we'd been there an hour. Oh, no, Mickey. Certainly. They got their feet wet, see, and Doc shot them full of penicillin. Oh. So they went... <laughs> hey, you seen my camp stool? I like to sit down when I'm in the blind. Where's my camp? May I come in, folks? Hello, Mr. Wilcox, by all means. Hi, Junior. I'll be with you in a minute. As soon as I finish putting... Oh, this... maybe I can help you, pal. What are you looking for? Looking for? Yeah. Rummaging through that pile of junk there. What do you mean, junk? This is the equipment I'm taking with me tomorrow, tonight. <laughs> he likes to be prepared for anything, Mr. Wilcox. I imagine the harpoon there is in case a whale happens to blow while you're out on the lake. <laughs> that harpoon is a boat hook. And it's come in plenty handy, too. Plenty of times to fish guys out of the lake with, too. I got rips and three pairs of pants to prove it. <laughs> well, uh, hunting should be pretty good tomorrow. They say that... Hey, that's a handsome shotgun you've got there. Let me see it. You like it? Set Foggy Williams back 50 bucks. Well, <laughs> it looks it. Yeah. But hey, you shouldn't let the stock get in that condition, though, pal. Huh? That's a nice piece of walnut. You know, little Johnson's wax would do wonders for it. Ah. Just one application of Johnson's wax would bring out all the natural beauty of the grain and restore this piece of fine wood to its original handsome finish. Ah. Guns, too, Mr. Wilcox? Oh, absolutely, Molly. You know what wonders you could do for any sort of fine woodwork with Johnson's wax. How beautiful it makes it, how it protects it against dirt and dust and dampness. Matter of fact, I always keep my entire gun covered with Johnson's wax. Ah! <laughs> McGee keeps his covered with an old bathing suit. <laughs> well, it's no substitute for wax, believe me. For your floors and furniture and leather goods, there's only one... Ah, look. Omaha. Yes, pal? You play baseball, don't you? Oh, little why? Suppose you were on third base and I hit a double. What would you do? Go home, pal. I'm already home. You go home. Okay, see you at four. Good night, Molly. Good night. On him, McGee? No, I actually don't mind. Oh, my gosh, I gotta get busy. Look at the time. It's getting late. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You know, um, I could carry a lot of this stuff for you if I went along, McGee. I think it would be fun to watch you boys shooting. Oh, that's no kind of a trip for a girl, Molly. <laughs> Mud all over your feet, guns banging away all around. It's noisy and cold. You wouldn't like I it. I could dress warm, dearie. My goodness, I got sweaters and mittens. Look, kiddo, you know I'd be the first one to take you if I thought you'd enjoy it, but you wouldn't. So there's no use me forcing you to be uncomfortable. I'm too thoughtful a guy to take any wife of mine on a thought with such a purpose. Come in. Oh, hi, old-timer. Hello, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kids. What you doing up so late? <laughs> I'm just going to ask you the same thing. I haven't seen you out this late since Halloween. No, I couldn't go to sleep, Johnny. Why not? I didn't go to bed. <laughs> You going hunting, kids? Well, himself here is Mr. Oldtimer. I'd like to go. I'm Doc Gamble and Wilcox and Foggy Williams, Oldtimer, going out to Dugas Lake for ducks, four o'clock in the morning tonight. Yarr, it's a good thing I came along. I'll go with you and show you where to find the ducks. Oh, well, now, I don't know. You see, we're going in Doc Gamble's car, and it's kind of crowded. Don't apologize, Johnny. I don't mind a bit. Mm. If it gets too crowded, I can ride on somebody's lap. <laughs> if I can find somebody in that crowd that's got a lap... <laughs> Hunting, Mr. Oldtimer? Every time anybody asks me like this, daughter, I'm just the fella to show these boys where the ducks is. Ducks are. They sure are, Johnny and Geese. Yeah? I was out there yesterday and got myself four ducks. Four ducks? My gosh, what were they, mallards? Uh, no. Canvas back? 
Nope, some new kind, daughter. Her I showed them to said they were called, uh, uh decoys. Oh. <laughs> decoys? My gosh, those weren't ducks. Those were made of wood. Is that so? Oh. I thought they were flying off low. <laughs> hey, I'll run home and change my clothes and grab my gun and get over to Doc's house. I'll be sitting on his front steps at 3.30. Right on the button. On the button? Yep. <laughs> Always wear my hunting pants backwards for luck. <laughs> Kingsman and a friend of yours. I've been looking for a playmate, somebody on whom I knew I could depend. I guess that this must be my lucky day, mate. Cause you're the kind I've wanted, and I'll stick right to the end. I want to be a friend of yours. Here's some old hip boots, rubber life boats on the front porch, and here's the oars. There. Now I got everything now, Molly. Well, I hope so, dearie. Look at the time. Ten minutes to four. Oh, my gosh. We've been working all night on this stuff. Doc and the boys will be here any minute. Oh, boy. Oh, I wish I had time to rest a while before they got here. You know, you said when you bought that rubber boat that it would be big enough so I could go, too. You promised, Mickey. You said and I I'll could go. And I'll keep my promise, too, kiddo. You will go one of these days. Hey, I think I'll stretch out here on the Davenport a minute until Doc gets here. Uh, Seems to me if it's a big enough boat for 16 men, it ought to hold one woman. <laughs> Small one, anyway. Here, don't you worry. We'll go. I could sit way back in the scow, or the prow, or sit back there somewhere. I wouldn't be a bit of trouble. McGee! Oh, dear. They'll be here before he can get any rest. He should have gone to bed long ago. Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Williams. Come in. How are you? Fair, thank you. Somewhat cloudy at the moment, of course, due to having just gotten up. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Gamble asked me to be here at four, so I... Oh, oh, I didn't see Mr. McGee sleeping there. Well, he just lay down there this minute, Mr. Williams. <laughs> We've been up all night getting all his stuff ready here. I see. 
That's quite an impressive pile of equipment. <laughs> oh, say, that's where my flashlight disappeared to. Wonderful. Flashlight? The new one sticking out of his pocket there. What a nice surprise. I thought I'd lost it. Well, I only hope you haven't, Mr. Williams. Sometimes McGee forgets to... What? Oh, here they are. Here they are. Come in, come in, come in. Hello, Molly. Hello, Hello Molly. Molly. Hello, Molly. How are you? Well, you still up, Molly? Where's your little... Oh, sleeping as usual, is he? Now, he just laid down there, boys. Just this minute. Come on, McGee. Four o'clock. Let's get his stuff out of the car, fellas. All right, I'll take the sack of these sweaters. Oh, look up, Foggy. Here, you can carry more than that. I'll pick up that stuff, Foggy. Come on, let's get going here. Uh, Just look at him sleep. Isn't that a beautiful expression? Like a lump of putty that fell off a truck. I think a lump of putty is a mite more rosy cheek, Doc. Come on, snore snoot. Let's go hunting. Well, I'll take the oars and some sweaters and his gun. I've got the lunch basket and some sweaters. Now, don't forget the sweaters over here on the piano, boy. Okay, Molly, we'll get them. (laughs) Deep breather, ain't he? Lungs in your stomach. Look at that jughead go. By George, that proves a theory of mine that the brainier a man is, the lighter he sleeps. Oh, I'll wake him. McGee, sweetheart. Breakfast is ready. Oh, heavenly days, he is asleep. And he wanted to go hunting so badly, Doctor. Well, we can't fool around any longer, Molly. We'll be out of luck. Anybody that wants to sleep that badly doesn't want to go hunting anyway. Sleeping like a baby. A baby beef. (laughs) Say, look, Molly, we've got everything. Why don't you go with us? Me? Oh, I shouldn't. Although McGee wouldn't mind, but, oh, I wouldn't want to be a bother, Doctor. Although I'd stay out of the way, of course, but uh, do you think I should? Come along, daughter. Glad to have you. Johnny here won't need you. Yes, you'll enjoy it, Molly. Go get ready. We'll wait. Well, I, I really shouldn't, but I won't be but a minute. Johnny's age shows on him when he's sleeping, don't it, Doc? His face is looser than a bucket of BBs. Yeah, it sure is. Here, help me get this box of shells out from under him. Come on. That's it. Woo! I'm ready. Did I keep you waiting, boys? I hurried. Fine, let's go. Shh. Now, don't drag your feet. Don't wake him. He's sleeping so soundly. She did. I've got your ducks right here, Molly. Oh, thanks, Mr. Wilcox. Just lay them down there. <laughs> Imagine me getting four ducks. Yeah, I didn't know you could shoot like that. You're quite a hunter. Oh, oh, oh I was just lucky. <laughs> Wait till McGee sees me with four ducks. And... Oh, look, doctor. Look at him. Great Scott. Practically noon, and he hasn't even turned over. <laughs> McGee. 
Sweetheart, wake up. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, you're here already, Doc? I must have dozed off. I'm ready, though. Everything's set. Don't have to wait for me, boy. Hand me my sweater, Molly. Get my gun, Junior. Grab those ducks and... Ducks! I shot them myself, McGee. Four of them. You shot them yourself? You mean you went without me? You were asleep. We couldn't wake you. Well, gee whiz, you might have shook me a little or called me. Well, what time is it? Just because I haven't... Ducks! Oh, my gosh! Four of them! Where's my gun? Oh, you shot them yourself. Look at the ducks! in just a moment. I think you'll agree with me when I say that the brighter the shine you give your kitchen linoleum, the more beautiful it becomes. Think then how really beautiful you can make your kitchen floor with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. You see, the shine you get with this old favorite is brighter than ever today. In fact, the Johnson's glow coat your dealer is now selling gives your linoleum and other floors nearly twice as much shine as before. And say, you'll like the wonderful smooth wax finish you get with glow coat. It never streaks. Easy to use, nothing to it. Just apply and let dry. There's no rubbing or buffing. Johnson's glow coat is easy on you in other ways, too. For instance, muddy footprints and spilled things wipe up with just a whisk of a damp cloth. Try it. Now, brighter than ever, Johnson's self-polishing glow coat to bring out the beauty of the home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. Duck, McGee? Uh, no, thanks, kiddo. I'm loaded. Hey, did Wilcox send that telegram to Racine to the Johnson Regional Manager's meeting? Yes, he read it to me on the phone. Oh? It said, best wishes from all of us to all of you. Yeah, very clever wording. <laughs> Boy, this duck is swell. There's just one thing that would have made it better. What's that? A hunk of cheese. Cheese with wild duck? Sure. You know how I love cheese and quackers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, McGee. Huh? Oh, good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Now, it's Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Well, quite a few romances have started between faculty members teaching at the same school. But for Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School... Romance is a problem. It's really two problems. Problem number one is the object of my affections, Mr. Philip Boynton, biology teacher. He's so bashful, he won't even shave himself unless he's wearing a tie. (laughs) 
Problem number two is the strict anti-fraternization rule laid down by Madison's beloved principal, Osgood Conklin. Of course, Mr. Boynton devised a very effective method of getting around this rule. He suggested that we stop seeing each other entirely. <laughs> However, I immediately used my power of veto, and before he could take it to the General Assembly, we convened for two dates away from the school. The last date occurred on Wednesday night, and Thursday morning at breakfast, my landlady asked for details. Now tell me everything that happened last night, Connie. <laughs> we went to a movie, Mrs. Davis. And? And we came home. <laughs> and fold up your program, the recital is over. <laughs> Pass the cream, please. But what did Mr. Boynton say? What did he do? Nothing, nothing. Pass the cream. <laughs> I can't understand that man. Here he has date after date with a girl who's intelligent, attractive, wholesome... Chic. Chic. <laughs> charming. And what does he do about it? Nothing. Pass the cream. <laughs> oh, it's not that he isn't fond of me, Mrs. Davis, but... He's been worried lately about someone very near and dear to him. A relative? Yes, his pet frog, McDougal. <laughs> it seems with the cold weather coming on, Mac is very prone to laryngitis, and there are no heating facilities for the cages. The least the school should do is put some heating equipment in there. Why doesn't Mr. Boynton ask Mr. Conklin for it? Because Mr. Boynton is almost as terrified of Mr. Conklin as he is of me. He wouldn't dare ask him for anything. Then you've got to do it, Connie. Don't you see? If you get the things that he needs, Mr. Boynton won't be so preoccupied and worried when he's out on dates with you. Well, it's worth a try, I guess. Now, if I can remember where I left it, I'll put my face on and get ready for Walter Denton. <laughs> he's driving me to school again. You mean your car is still in the repair shop? Yes, the mechanic called yesterday and said it would take a bit longer this time. It seems they're having a little trouble with the motor. What kind of trouble? They've misplaced it. <laughs> I'm glad you picked me up early today, Walter. I've got to stop in Mr. Conklin's office before my first class. Oh, what a depressing way to start off the day. And I'm glad I don't have to see our beloved principal this morning. I'm low enough already. Low? Yeah, I feel gloomier than a schoolteacher's personality. <laughs> Present company accepted, of course. Of course. What's the reason for your blue mood? Did Harriet Conklin give you the go-by? Oh, no, ma'am, no. Harriet and I are still an item. It's Stretch Snodgrass who's preying on my mind. Maybe that's because he hasn't got one of his own. <laughs> yeah, I know he's never been exactly a beacon of brilliance scholastically, Miss Brooks, but on that gridiron, he's always been a tower of strength. Up to last week, that is. What happened last week? Well, you saw the game last Saturday. Didn't you see what he did? Sure. He picked up a fumble and ran 85 yards with it. Of course, I couldn't quite figure out why I was the only one in my section who was cheering. He ran the wrong way. <laughs> That's how Oakhurst beat us, on that one numbskull play. Now, if Stretch doesn't perk up, we'll lose our big game to Clay City next week. What do you think is the cause of this change, Walter? Yeah, I know what it is. The big goof's in love. 
In love? Yeah, and the trouble is he won't tell anybody who the girl is. Uh, oh, wait a minute. You know, he's very fond of you, Miss Brooks. Maybe you could straighten him out. You know, have a talk with him and... I'd like to help, Walter, but I've got a more pressing problem this morning. That's why I'm going straight to Mr. Conklin's office. Well, what could possibly be more pressing than Madison's winning the battle of the year? My winning the battle of Boynton's lab. <laughs> Daddy, why are you so despondent? Because of our coach's report on snodgrass, that's why. He's been playing abominably, and the coach knows the reason. The big moose is in love. In love? Oh, but isn't there something we can do, Daddy? If there were, I'd be doing it. You don't think I want to lose this game to Jason Brill's Clay City nincompoops, do you? <laughs> of course not, Daddy. I know Mr. Brill's your arch rival. He's worse than that. He's... 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 <laughs> Just no way out There's no way I could possibly feel any worse than I do right now Have you thought of Miss Brooks, Daddy? You have just shown me a way <laughs> Miss Brooks might be able to help If there's one person in this school whom Stretch admires and respects, it's her Maybe she could pull him out of his doldrums So you might have something there at that As soon as she gets to school, I... Come in. Oh, pardon me, Mr. Conklin. If you're busy, I'll come back later. Not at all, Miss Brooks. Harriet was just leaving for a class. Run along, child. <laughs> okay, Daddy. See you later, Miss Brooks. Goodbye, Harriet. Well, sit down. Sit down, won't you? Over here by my desk. That's the most comfortable chair. Maybe you don't know who I am, sir. <laughs> it's Miss Brooks. I know it's Miss Brooks, and I'm delighted that you dropped in to see me this morning. You are? Well, then it won't be so difficult to ask a favor. You want a favor of me, Miss Brooks? Yes, I do, sir. Oh, now isn't that a coincidence? I want a favor of you. <laughs> One hand washes the other, eh? That's as good a way as any to get them both clean. <laughs> What is your favor, Mr. Conklin? Well, as you know, Madison's big football game with Clay City is to be played next week. Yes, sir. You are also aware of my intense rivalry with Jason Brill, their principal. Yes, sir, but what do you want of me, Mr. Conklin? Well, it's very simple, Miss Brooks. Perhaps you've heard about Snodgrass running the wrong way last Saturday. Uh-huh. Now, you know that nobody with half a brain could make a mistake like that twice, except perhaps Snodgrass... And that idiot woman a few rows behind me who kept cheering him. Next Saturday, I'll keep my mouth shut. Uh, what do you think I can do about stretch, Mr. Conklin? Well, you may be able to straighten him out. You see, Miss Brooks, he's been even worse in practice this week than in that game last Saturday, and the coach seems to think it's because he's in love. That's what Walter Denton thinks, too. Does Denton know with whom? No, sir, nobody does. Exactly. And that's where you come in. In his lame brain, dunce-like way, Snodgrass admires you greatly. <laughs> he has his reasons, I'm sure. We lame brain dunces are pretty clannish. <laughs> well, what I meant was, you seem to be the logical person to find out just what little baggage is turning Snodgrass's head. And I use the word advisedly. And if I find out, what then? 
then your natural feminine instincts will come to the fore and you will devise some way to circumvent the activities of the aforementioned bit of baggage. Now then, what is the favor you see? Well, Mr. Boynton needs some new equipment for the biology lab, and he's too timid to ask for it. He shall have it. What kind of equipment? Well, some heating facilities, for one thing, and more comfortable cages for his frogs and guinea pigs. It's done. Anything else? Else? Well, now that you mention it, I could use the new desk and some new window shades in my room. I also would like to have it painted a nice, cheerful shade of green. Uh, Miss Brooks, you are speaking with Osgood Conklin, not the Aga Khan. <laughs> well, if that is the way you feel about it, sir, maybe Stretch and his girl should be left alone. After all, A I... A nice, don't... cheerful shade of green it is. <laughs> now, you're sure you know what to do, Miss Brooks? Leave it to me, Mr. Conklin. When I get through with him, Stretch will not only check his baggage, he won't call for her for 30 days. Well, I took advantage of a free period I had right before lunch and sought out Madison's moon-eyed mastodon, Stretch Snodgrass. I found him near the water fountain in the hall. He was slouching against the wall and seemed half asleep. But when I approached him, he snapped to attention. Uh, hi. Hello, Stretch. I hope I'm not keeping you up. I mean, I hope I'm not keeping you from any of your classes. But I would like to talk to you for a few minutes. Well, you ain't keeping me from nothing, Miss Brooks. French class is the place which I'm supposed to have been at pretty soon from now. But my French can wait. <laughs> At least until your English catches up. <laughs> Stretch, what I wanted to talk to you about was your football playing. You know yourself that you're not playing as well as you used to, and a lot of your friends around here are beginning to worry about it. Why should they worry? Gosh, just because I don't play over my head in every game, everybody gets all upset. This season's been nothing but practice, practice, practice. A guy can't go on like that with just all work and no play. After all, I ain't no auto matron. <laughs> oh, auto matron? You know, a mechanical man The kind they call a Robert <laughs> Besides, a little relaxed and never hurt nobody <sighs> Stretch, why should a young boy like yourself be yawning in the middle of the morning? I'm tired <laughs> Couldn't have thought of a better answer if I'd tried all day Your new girlfriend thinks relaxing is good for me she won't even let me quit rumbering and take her home till one in the morning. It's been going on like that for the last two weeks. Who is this new girlfriend, Stretch? Oh, no, you don't. No, I don't what? You don't get Judy's name out of me. <laughs> I promise to keep it a secret. Well, that's your privilege. If you don't want me to know Judy's name, I'm not going to know Judy's name. <laughs> that's all there is to that. <laughs> Judy what? Gosh, I didn't even want that part of her name to get out, but it just slipped. Well, look, Miss Brooks, you wouldn't want me to break a promise, would you? Fervently. <laughs> Listen, Stretch, even if you enjoy all this rumbering, don't your girl's parents object to these late hours every night? Oh, I'm sure they don't. How can you be so sure? Her old man gives me the money to take her out. <laughs> what? Sure. He's not like our principal. Mr. Brill's a real good sport. Stretch, you mean to tell me you've been taking out Judy Brill? 
How do you know? <laughs> a little bird brain told me. <laughs> I can't wait to see Mr. Conklin's reaction to this bit of news. Gosh, Miss Brooks, you're not going to tell Mr. Conklin, are you? Not yet, Stretch. Out of consideration for his family, there's something I've got to find out first. What's that? If his life insurance is paid up. I've talked through your entire lunch, Mr. Boynton, but it couldn't be helped. If we're going to get any favors from Mr. Conklin, we've got to straighten out Stretch Snodgrass. I'm glad you told me the story, Miss Brooks. Imagine Jason Brill putting his own daughter up to a trick like that. What kind of a girl is this Judy Brill, anyhow? Well, you know the expression, sweet 16 and never been kissed. Yes. When this kid reached 12, she was ineligible. (laughs) I met her last summer, Mr. Boynton. Judy Brill is quite a little firebrand. She's at an age now where she considers all males fair game. There's an age? (laughs) This boy's been learning biology as well as teaching it. (laughs) Look, Mr. Boynton, when I found out that Stretch was going with Jason Brill's daughter, I devised a plan. We're going to beat Jason Brill at his own game. All we have to do is to get Stretch to think that Judy's just a flirt and he'll lose all interest in her. But how do we do that? By letting Stretch catch her on a date with some other boy. What other boy? Walter Denton. Walter Denton? Did I hear somebody mention my name? Oh, you're just in time, Walter. Sit down, please. Mr. Boynton and I would like to talk to you. Okay. Have you thought of any way to get Stretch's mind off the mystery woman and back on his football game, Miss Brooks? Yes, Walter. I've thought of a dilly of a plan. But it requires some cooperation from you. Oh, we should all do whatever we can, Walter. This is a crisis. Well, yeah, but what can I do? He won't even tell me the name of this chick. The name of the chick is Judy Brill. And her father's been paying all the expenses to keep Stretch out late every night, rumbering. (laughs) Rumbering? Yes, rumbering. While the Clay City team is getting its rest, Judy Brill is keeping our star player's backfield in motion. boy Stretch is, and if we can arrange to have him catch Judy with another boyfriend, I know he'll forget all about her. Not only forget about her, but it might make him so mad he'll go out on that field Saturday and play the game of his life. Say, that sounds like a swell idea. You know, of course, Stretch is boxing champ of Madison, too, so it might not be so pleasant for the guy he catches with his girl, (laughs) but that's a necessary risk, I guess. Who's the chump you've got lined up to be the patsy in this Be crude, Patsy. Uh, Walter. <laughs> I thought that you'd be happy to volunteer for the job. Me? You want to see Madison beat Clay City, don't you? Well, sure I do, but will I have my bandages off in time? <laughs> oh, you've never seen Stretch fight. I have. Believe me, Walter, Mr. Boynton and I will make sure that Stretch doesn't lay a hand on you. He doesn't have to. He could kick me to death. <laughs> Just have to count me out, folks. No. Count you out? Oh, but Walter, Stretch is a very dear friend of yours. Now, you don't want to see him ruin his life, do you? Don't you see, Walter, this girl isn't right for Stretch. It isn't just a football game that's involved. It's a boy's future. But what about my future? <laughs> what about your future? I want to be around when it gets here. 
Oh, Stretch has a terrible temper, and if he catches me making goo-goo eyes at his girl, he'll clobber me till I'm dismal. Besides, there's Harriet Conklin. You know, we're virtually betrothed. Now, what would she think if she heard I was out with another girl? She won't hear, Walter. And even if she does, we can always explain that you were just doing it for the good of your school. No, I'm sorry. No, I'd rather not take the chance. I'm surprised at you, Walter. Haven't you any sense of loyalty? Haven't you any school spirit? This whole thing won't take you more than half an hour. All you have to do is sit on the couch and put your arms around a little red-headed girl with big blue eyes, a cute little turned-up nose, and an adorable mouth. Now, I still think that if Stretch... An, an adorable mouth? <laughs> Exquisite. Nobody can say I haven't got any school spirit. What time and where? <laughs> Make it 8 o'clock tonight at my place. I'll drop over to Clay City High this afternoon and tell Judy I'm thinking of accepting her father's invitation to join the faculty there next term. Then I'll invite her over to my place for dinner, ostensibly so I can ask some questions about my new pupil. But supposing she won't come? Oh, she'll be glad to come. Judy Brill's just a little girl. To be asked to dinner by a woman like Miss Brooks is quite flattering. (laughs) After all, when you get right down to ages... When you get right down to ages, I'm almost twice as tall as Judy Brill. of my plan worked perfectly, and that afternoon I persuaded Judy Brill to have dinner at my house. So at eight o'clock that evening, we were in the living room, gabbing away like a couple of old, uh, extremely young magpies. I'm sure glad you asked me over tonight, Miss Brooks. The dinner was wonderful, and I've enjoyed talking to you about your teaching at Clay City next term. I suppose you feel you should be out dancing Stretch's feet off, but... You've still got three nights before the big game, and not seeing you tonight will only make him more anxious. You're so right. Men are such problems. They're just like children. You've got to play up to their ego and convince each one he's the only man in your life. Oh, but listen to me telling you about men. sophisticated, charming woman like you. Tell the truth. How many men do you have dangling from a string? Just one, Judy. (laughs) And he doesn't exactly dangle. He sort of bobs and weaves. As if I'd believe that about a woman like you, Miss Brooks. Oh, I wish I had your knowledge of men. Want to trade? coincidence that Walter Denton dropped over, don't you think? He's an awfully cute boy. I'm glad you like him, Judy. By the way, where did he disappear to? I didn't disappear. She's on my lap. (laughs) Oh, now, isn't that sweet? What a naive way to get acquainted. (laughs) I'd better answer that. Mrs. Davis is in her sitting room down the hall. Want me to answer it? You sit right where you are, Walter. Yes, you sit right where you are, Walter. How can I help it? She hasn't budged off me since I said, how do you do, Miss Brill? (laughs) I'll get it. Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Come on in, Stretch. Thanks. Well, what brings you to this part of town, Stretch? I was just walking home when Mr. Boynton drove up alongside the curb in his car and stuck his head out of the window and said, Hi, Stretch, just the fellow I've been looking for. 
How about hopping in and going for a little ride over to Miss Brooks' place and having a glass of milk or something if you haven't got anything better to do? And I didn't have nothing better to do, so I said, okay, Mr. Boy, I'd like nothing better than to hop in and go over to Miss Brooks' place and have a glass of milk or something. Have you got any? So that's what brings you to this part of town. Well, I'll give you some milk later, Stretch. There are some friends of yours in the living room. Come on in. Oh, pardon me, kids, but we've got company. Hi, Walter. I didn't know that you... Judy, what are you doing here? Miss Brooks invited me over to dinner, and then Walter just sort of dropped by. You sort of dropped by? Hold him, Miss Brooks! It's around him, Mr. Boynton. What's everybody so jumpy about? Well, aren't you sore at me for sitting here with your girl? Sore? Heck no, Walter. You're doing me a big favor. See... I got to thinking about what Miss Brooks said this morning, and I realized that I got to get a lot more sleep if I'm going to be any good in the game Saturday. But, Stretch, dear, you don't have to sleep so much. Sure I do. Oh, ain't that I don't appreciate what you and your dad done for me, Judy. And I certainly ain't mad about all that rumbering. It's just that for athletes, rumbering's not as good as slumbering. <laughs> now, Walter, if I may make a suggestion, I think you should drop Miss Brill off at the bus station. What's this all about, anyway? Is this some kind of a plot? Turnabout's fair play, Miss Brill. Yeah. And if you'll excuse me right now, I'll turn about and hit the road. I'll excuse all of you right now. All but you, Mr. Boynton. Well, this is what I get for accepting the hospitality of a Madison Highite. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> and don't slam the door. Oh, come on, Stretch. The least we can do is drop her off at the bus station. Good night, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton. Good night. Good night. Well, it's simmered down to just the two of us, Mr. Boynton. Let's sit down on the couch. All right. You know, Miss Brooks, in spite of the fact that I'm a biologist, I've never been overly observant about the emotional reactions of the people around me. You're not just beating your Bunsen burner, Boynton. <laughs> Is, uh, you have seemed a little preoccupied at times. Well, be that as it may, your interest in the welfare of my little animals, and the trouble you went to to see that I got proper heating facilities for my lab, have made me realize just how much you care. Really, Mr. Boynton? Yes, indeed. And I want you to know that I care even more than you do. You care even more than I do? Yes. I've got five dollars bet on that game Saturday. Well, here's two fifty. I'll take half your bet, and we'll set up housekeeping on the forty-yard line. And now a word from our star, Eve Arden. Well, we all had a wonderful time at the football game. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Bob Rockwell, Gloria McMillan, Leonard Smith, and Sandra Gould.
Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is smile. S-M-I-L-E. Really? You bet your life! Solo Plymouth Dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... Groucho! Oh, that fella's just love happy. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx! Thank you. Well, here I am again with $1,000 for one of our couples tonight. George Fenneman, who's face to try for it? Just before we went on the air, we asked if there were any young people in the audience who'd like to get married if they found the right person. And our studio audience selected Miss Rosalie Page and Mr. Bob Hartham. And here they are. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, kids, for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And if either of you says the secret word, you split $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you always have with you. So, uh, you two would like to get married, eh? Well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Miss, uh, Page, is that right? That's right. Rose, Rosalie Page. Yeah. Uh, where are you from, Rosalie? St. Louis, Missouri. And, uh, where are you from? Uh, Bob uh, Hawthorne? Hawthorne. Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Kansas yeah. City. Well, you're practically stable mates, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Bob? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. And Rosalie, uh, what, is, what is your age? Uh, Twenty-seven. That's a lovely age. How, how long have you been 27? Since October the 27th. Uh-huh. What year? 1949. <laughs> it isn't necessary to snarl at me, Rosalie. <laughs> well, you're a very pretty girl, Rosalie. Why aren't you married? You've reached the age of consent. Well, uh, <laughs> nobody really ever asked me. Well, nobody asked me, and I'm married. <laughs> Bob, uh, have you ever asked a girl to marry you? No, never have. Would you be interested in asking Rosalie? Uh... <laughs> well, I don't know her. Well, these days, that doesn't stop anybody. <laughs> Besides, I can fix that. Uh, Bob, I want you to meet Rosalie. How do you do? Well, now it's all settled now. If I can just find you to a place to live, that's all. <laughs> what sort of work do you do, Bob? I'm a room clerk at the Townhouse Hotel. Rosalie, I found you a place to live. <laughs> Anything unusual ever happen around your hotel? Oh, quite a few unusual things. Well, could you give us one uh, an ex example? Well, uh, I remember particularly the first occasion uh, when I roomed my first guest. This gentleman came up to the desk and uh, put a portable radio on the desk... And said, um, do you have uh, AC or DC current here? And I went over to the information rack and I hurried back and said, uh, no, sir, neither one is registered with us. <laughs> and you're, you're still working at the hotel? Rosalie, who do you work for? Uh, Jerry Ralston. Jerry Ralston? Yes. thought that was a breakfast food. Uh -huh. <laughs> what, ki what kind of work do you do, Rosalie? I'm a legal secretary. A legal secretary? Yes. Is that so? Mm-hmm. 
Jer- Jerry Rawson, huh? Yes. What kind of a name is that for a law firm? Doesn't he have a complete lawyer's name oh, like yes. Shadrach, Meshach, Abdegnio, and Shyster? <laughs> It's uh, Fink, Ralston, Leventhal, and Kent. Oh, see, I knew there were more handles to it. <laughs> now, uh, Rosalie, as a legal secretary, just what do you do? I start out in the morning by opening up the office and uh, start uh, filing and getting things ready for the boss, cleaning off his desk and bring my book. And You take dictation? Huh? I, and I take dictation, yes. Does your boss have comfortable knees? Huh? <laughs> no, I don't know. Never sat on your boss's knee? No. Fine secretary. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you sit in your office? On a chair. You'll never get any work done that way, huh? <laughs> what kind of dictation do you take from your boss, Rosalie? Well, uh, various pleadings like complaints, answers, and orders nunc pro tunc. And... What's that? Orders nunc pro tunc. What is that? Now for then. Now for then. Why don't they say that, huh? Well, because it's uh, Latin. They don't want to say it that way. Oh. They don't want anybody to know what they just said. What else do they say? uh, And then I draw up uh, leases, and uh, oh, yes, I also do briefs. You do, huh? Yes. You take the boss's briefs, huh? I take his briefs. What do you do? Sew patches on them? Doesn't he get chilly standing there? Does he? Uh, No, these are uh, legal briefs. Legal or illegal, he's got no right to be standing there. What <laughs> are legal briefs? Well, there are documents that are uh, rather lengthy documents. Oh, that are... long underwear, eh? <laughs> it's the best kind of wear when you're making a court appearance. Eh? Is your chair more comfortable than your boss's knee? Yes. No. Oh, I <laughs> Then you've tried your boss's knee. <laughs> Now, what kind of a knee has he got? Is it AC or DC? <laughs> well, you're really a charming couple, and I hope you'll be very happy together. Now, before we play You Bet Your Life, I'd like to remind you, when you buy Easter seals, you help all crippled children everywhere. Your donations will go to the crippled children in your state. Now, in just one minute, you're going to try for a chance at $1,000. You bet your life. <laughs> No matter why you drive in to a DeSoto Plymouth dealers, for a major repair job or a simple one, you'll find it the honest desire of all the folks there to serve you to the very best of their ability. Yes, and that's the way all of the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America feel about the customers they serve. You'll find it their creed to treat you fairly and squarely day after day, year after year. Why do they do their utmost to serve you in this manner? Because they want you for a satisfied customer, a steady customer in the years to come. That's why, no matter what make of car you drive, it pays to stop where you see the sign of an authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealer. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Let's see if you two will get a chance at $1,000. Fenneman, tell them the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that 20 as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $1,000 question at the end of the show. 
Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's happening out here. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected nursery rhymes as your category. Is that correct? That's right. Here's your first question. How much of the $20 will you bet? Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Uh, what did old King Cole call for beside his bowl and pipe? His fiddle's three. That's right. His fiddle is three. Huh? <laughs> and they're on their way with thirty dollars. All right. Now you got thirty dollars. Uh, remember, you're going for a thousand dollars tonight. How much of the thirty will you try? Twenty. Twenty dollars. Where did Peter keep his wife? In a pumpkin shell. That's right. He kept her in a pumpkin <laughs> shell. Now they have fifty dollars. Well, so far, it's a horse apiece. Now you got fifty dollars, huh? <laughs> How much of the 50 are you going to try? Uh, 40. All right. Uh, what did the dish do when the cow jumped over the moon? I ran away with a spoon. That's right. The dish ran away with a spoon. <laughs> We're really climbing now. We have $90. That's two for the girl and one for you. Hey, you may get married yet. Now you got $90. Huh? <laughs> Is your last chance to beat the other couples? How much of the 90? Uh, 80. $80. Who swiped the tarts from the Queen of Hearts? The knave. Of the knave of hearts is right. And they wind up with a grand total of $170. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, don't go away now. You might get a chance at the big question. Groucho, the secret word is still smile. Perhaps the next couple will say it. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a beauty operator, Miss Lola Phillips, and her partner is a married man, Mr. Herb Parsons. And here they are. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And if one of you says the secret word, you divide $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you always have with you. Miss uh, Lola Phillips, huh? That's right. A beauty operator, eh? And Mr. Uh, Parsons, you're a husband? Yes, sir. You're a, you're a husband, huh? Beauty and the Beast, huh? <laughs> Mr. Hey Parsons, uh, where, where did you come from? Oh, out in the audience. <laughs> I, I know you're from the audience, but you weren't born out there, were you? <laughs> uh, how are things in the audience? Pretty good, huh? <laughs> Pretty good, huh? How are conditions out there? Huh? Very fine, very fine. Uh-huh. Well, where are you from, uh, Mr. Parsons? Oh, Somerville, Tennessee. And you're from uh, where, Miss? Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, huh? Are you married? No, I'm not. You're not, huh? <laughs> Would you like to get married? No, I wouldn't care to, thanks. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the closest I've come in a long time. <laughs> now, what sort of work do you do, Mr. Parsons? Oh, I shoot guns for Winchester. You do, huh? Why doesn't Winchester shoot his own gun? What do you mean you shoot guns for Winchester? What kind of a job is that, huh? Oh, it's a good job. It is, all over huh? the country, you know, just shooting guns. Well, who do you shoot at specifically? Oh, I usually shoot for sportsman club, you know. Uh, how'd you meet your wife? Did you take a shot at her? Or you... Well... <laughs> How'd you meet her? Oh, well, it was... You know, I married a smart girl. I found out later. It happened that there was a large hedge growing beside the walk, and I noticed one evening a little dog ran out and bit me on the breeches leg. I didn't pay too much attention to that. I thought the best thing for me to do would be to go in and complain to the landlord. And as soon as I turn into the hedge, she walks out and greets me. Which oh, I, my dog? wife, the bull. Oh. <laughs> and so... uh I found out later that she was sicking the dog on me so that I would come in and complain, see? And she was sick of you, did you say? 
She is now, not oh. then. <laughs> now, what about the dog? Is the, You still got the dog? No, the dog died. Oh. <laughs> he was lucky, wasn't he? Huh? <laughs> uh, do you do anything else besides shoot guns? Do you, do you have any hobbies? Oh, I'd say my hobby was mm, calling ducks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you call them? Huh? <laughs> I just walk at them and quack at them. If they come by, then that's when I shoot them with the gun. Duck for dinner. That's a pretty dirty trick, isn't it? <laughs> well, come on. Uh, You're uh, the call. How does the wild goose go, do you know? <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's quite an accomplishment at that, I guess. Huh? Quick, uh, what do you got there? That's huh? the duck call. Well, Maybe. how did you know you were going to meet a duck here tonight? <laughs> you come I always a... care this. This is a good luck piece. R- wrap out a duck oh, call. Oh, maybe huh? the duck. It'll be way off. You only know about three, Is there a duck days. in the audience? <laughs> Maybe you all better duck. He may have a gun with him, too. You know? back there. Well, okay. Let's have that. That's a hotel in Chicago. We'll shoot it anyway. And you mean to say that a duck finds that alluring? <laughs> no, his curiosity gets the best of him when he comes by. Well, he think, what does he think it is? He doesn't know. That's when he comes by, I think. <laughs> well, who figured that out? I mean. Oh, I couldn't tell you that. But it That's works. really a giant mind. Somebody figured out. If we can get a sound that the duck doesn't know what it is, we can get a duck. <laughs> well, it's too much for me, you know. Uh, where do you do your operating on beauties, Mrs. Uh, Phillips? Uh, at Polly's Beauty Salon, 4875 Fountain Avenue. Well, you're a beauty operator, all right. That plug was a beauty, I'll bet. <laughs> What's the most uh, popular type of service that you're fountain of youth? Uh, pen, finger, and permanent waste. What is it? Pen, finger, and permanent waste. Pen, finger, and permanent that, That's. A... I used to know a law firm by that name, huh? <laughs> that, uh, that, that finger was such a crook to what a sleazy character he <laughs> What are some of the other things you do for females to help them trap a sucker? <laughs> well, we give them uh, manicures, pedicures, facials. And they say a thing of beauty is a joy forever. <laughs> Apparently, a thing of beauty is a joy for about three days. <laughs> Why do women go through all this chromium plating process? Well, they want to bring out their natural beauty. <laughs> Well, how do you bring it out in jars, huh? <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned facials before. Just what is the purpose of a, of a facial? Well, it uh, will tighten the skin. Mm-hmm. It'll remove crow's feet. Some of your customers have crow's feet? <laughs> they keep their shoes on, nobody will notice it. <laughs> well, how do you tighten the skin? Do you use a screwdriver or a socket wrench? <laughs> No, what I What do you mean... do, roll it up their back or something? <laughs> What's the latest haircut style for women uh, at the moment? Uh? Well, it's uh, contour cutting to the shape of the head. Uh-huh. Might turn up some very interesting heads. Huh? <laughs> what do you do with a head that's shaped like an ashtray? Huh? <laughs> do you 
ever listen to your customers when they gab to each other? Oh, I'm much too busy. I see, but what do they talk about? Uh, for, <laughs> for example, what did they say this morning when you were in the shop? Huh? Oh, one lady was talking about how much she lost at Canasta. But you don't listen lesson. when they talk, huh? <laughs> Have you been listening intently to all this uh, secret stuff about beauty shops, Mr. Parsons? Very much. Pretty man. revealing, isn't oh, it, huh? Oh, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> well, Tommy, which do you prefer, a blonde, a brunette, or a redhead? Oh, I kind of like uh, about between a blonde and a redhead. Well, that's a perfect place to be. <laughs> that's certainly better than being between a blonde and a bald-headed man. <laughs> Well, after talking to a beauty operator, I know all the secrets of the opposite sex, and, but despite that, I love them anyway. So help me. And now you're going to play the DeSoto Plymouth game. You bet your life for a chance at $1,000. You beat the other couples, and you get a chance at the big question. I can't tell you how much the first couple won, but Fenneman is off stage to remind our listeners. The legal secretary and the hotel clerk earned $170. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You have selected Irish songs as your category. Is that right? That's right. Here's your first question. You have $20. How much will you bet? Ten dollars? Yeah, anything you okay. want. Anything up to twenty. What is the name of this Irish song? Play, Jerry. Take a guess. What is it? Danny Boy is right. Well, Miss Phillips, we thought we lost you that time. Now you got thirty dollars. Remember, you're going for a thousand dollars tonight. And if you don't give the re the right answers, he's liable to shoot you when this thing is over. <laughs> now, how much of the thirty dollars will you bet? Twenty. That's Twenty dollars. Give me the title of this song. Here's your third question. How much of the 50 will you go for? $40. $40. Okay with you, Mr. Parsons? That's very good. Let's see if you can identify this Irish song. Okay, Jerry. The wearing of the green. The wearing of the green is right. We're really on the way now. They have $90. You've got $90, and here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 90 will you try? Let's bet it all. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. What is the name of this song? Did you make the shamrocks go or something? <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's a little bit of heaven. A little you? bit of heaven. You were close to it. I'm terribly sorry. Well, I'll give you one more question. You get it right and you win $10. Remember, no coaching, please. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Who is buried in Grant's tomb? Oh, Grant. <laughs> General Grant is right. <laughs> and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, we'll soon know who gets the chance at the $1,000 question. You know, friends, every dealer who sells DeSoto also sells Plymouth. Is that by any chance why they're called DeSoto Plymouth dealers? Precisely, Groucho. How clever. Now, ask me, how many DeSoto Plymouth dealers there are? All right, Groucho. 
Uh, how many DeSoto Plymouth dealers are there from coast to coast? Well, uh, they're under 4,000. Oh, it's over 3,000. Well, that's under 4,000. Fenneman, <laughs> can't you count higher than 3,000? Yes, and you can count on the best in service, a fair and square price, when you visit any authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealer. An accurate statement, if I ever heard one. Fenneman, who's ahead in the battle for the $1,000 question? Well, the secretary and the hotel clerk are leading with $170, and the secret word is still smile. Just before we went on the air, we asked for couples with an interesting occupation, Groucho, and here comes a pair who was chosen. Mr. and Mrs. John Schleser meet Groucho Marx. Welcome to your Bet Your Life, folks. And if you say the DeSoto Plymouth secret word, you win $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you always have with you. Mrs. Uh, Schleser, uh, uh, you're, uh, Ruth Schleser, huh? Where are, you, where are you from, Ruth? Oh, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx. You're really spread all over town, aren't you? <laughs> where were you born, the subway? Oh, maybe. Who knows? Well, I say you don't. Know. Yes. John, where are you from? Belgrade, Serbia. Belgrade, that's Now the they call him Yugoslav. Oh. I wouldn't know. I haven't heard a news broadcast for over an hour, huh? <laughs> John, what sort of interesting occupation do you and Ruth have, uh, since that's the reason you were picked here tonight? Well, I'm a taxidermist and naturalist. Uh -huh. What do you do uh, as a naturalist and taxidermist? Well, I uh, mount all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish. Well, don't be sizing me up, you know. <laughs> You're a taxidermist, eh? Yes, well, you don't sir. look stuffy to me, John. Eh? <laughs> uh, how, how old are you, Mr. Schleser? Well, I am 74 years young. Well, you, you, you're very young looking. Very young. <laughs> and how, how young are you, Mrs. Schleser? Would you guess? <laughs> well, uh, if you stop wiggling, I'll take a guess on it. Well, I would say you were about uh, 31. Oh, brother, you're far from it. I'm far from it? Uh -huh. In which direction? Huh? Oh. <laughs> now, tell us something about taxidermy. It's a very unusual occupation. For example, say I wanted you to stuff a lion. What's the first thing on the list? Well, uh, first get the lion. <laughs> well, let's make it a leopard, huh? That's a leopard. <laughs> All right, I've got a line. Never mind where I got it. Go ahead. What do you do, huh? Well, first of all, you know, uh, I think... I know. First you get the line. I know that. First thing. And be sure that he's dead. Then we take a complete... Well, how, do you, how do you find out if he's dead? Do you take an autopsy or send for the coroner? When they come to me, I'm sure they're dead. But if they come at you, you're not so sure, huh? Well, you've had wide experience with dead animals. Have you ever handled any live animals, Professor? Oh, yes, I had. Sorriest experience. I was out collecting in Africa, and that day it happened that the lion see me first. <laughs> and I had no chance. Quick pull my gun, and he made a roaring leap, but he was too close, they mauled me. He must have been a very well-trained lion. He... <laughs> he wanted to stop himself with you. Huh? <laughs> uh, how, how did you get to be a taxidermist? 
I loved everything what God created, immaterial, what kind of animals, reptiles, insects, everything. I was interested in them. Mm -hmm. What's the largest animal you ever worked on, Mr. Schleser? Uh, it's uh, a brontosaurus. I, I beg your pardon. I, I, I thought you said a, a brontosaurus. Huh? That's what I did. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you did. Huh? <laughs> I can keep this up as long as he can. Cocktails, anyone? <laughs> well, this has certainly been very interesting and instructive having you here tonight. You see, if I never met you, I'd never know anything about taxidermy. Now, I know practically everything about it. <laughs> now, let's see how good you two are at winning money. You're going to play your bet your life for $1,000. You beat the other two couples, and you get a chance at the big question later. I can't tell you how much they won, but Fenneman's going to remind our listeners. The hotel clerk and the secretary are ahead with $170. Here we go. Let's see how high you can build your $20. You selected biblical questions as your category. Is that right? Yes, sir. Now, here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you try? Ten. All right. Who was the wicked wife of Ahab? A-H-A-B. She was trampled to death. I don't know. Well, it was Jezebel, huh? They have $10, Roger. All right. Now you're down to... Remember, you're going for $1,000 tonight. Now, how much of the $10 will you try? Twenty. <laughs> that shows you what you can do when you stuff animals, huh? All right, how much of the $10 will you try? Well, five. $5, all right. What prophet lived three days and three nights inside a whale? Well, I don't know. I give up. Have you never stuffed a whale? No. Well, this one was stuffed with Jonah. You should have known that. <laughs> they have $5 now. Now you're down to $5. Here's your third question. How much of the $5 will you bet? Well, I bet... The works? Five. All right. Who led the attack at the Battle of Jericho? I never paid much attention. Well, it, to it was Joshua. These are tough Joshua. questions. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that you don't know them. I said you wouldn't know them. All right. I'm going to give you another chance to get rich quick. You get this one right, and I'll hand over ten dollars in cash immediately. It's a tough one, so think hard now, and no coaching, please. What is the name of the famous president whose daughter is a singer? Oh, Truman. The Truman president. is right, huh? <laughs> this couple lost all their money, so that means the secretary and the hotel clerk with $170 get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $1,000 question. To get expert, courteous service at the lowest possible cost, more and more car owners every day drive into DeSoto Plymouth dealers. That's a wise thing for you to do, too. For DeSoto Plymouth dealers always do their utmost to please you in every way they can. They have factory-trained mechanics working with factory-designed and approved tools and equipment. They make sure the service they offer in their shops is the best service you can get anywhere. And that goes for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers throughout America, all of whom take pride in their reputation for fast, efficient, courteous service. Keep this in mind next time your car needs attention and drive in at the sign of an authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealer. <laughs> ¶¶ 
And here is the secretary and the hotel clerk, the winning couple, all ready for the DeSoto Plymouth $1,000 question, Groucho. Here we go for $1,000. Ready? I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you and think carefully and please no help from the audience. Here it is. Although there are many walled cities in Europe, W-A-L-L-E-D, although there are many walled cities in Europe, there is only one walled city in North America. For $1,000, can you tell me what it is? Okay, what's the answer you two have decided upon? Well, I don't know. I thought it was West Point, but I... uh, No, no, I'm sorry. It's Quebec, the former capital of Canada. I'm sorry. That that means the big question next week will be worth $1,500. Well, you lost the big money, but you won $170 in the quiz. Congratulations, and thanks to both of you. Bet Your Life is a John Goodell production. Transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, You'll Bet Your Life. Presented by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And don't forget... Next week, the big question will be worth $1,500. Well, Bing Crosby is waiting to use the hall, so good night, folks. And remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Folks, here's a tip from the National Safety Council. It's a wise driver who believes in highway signs. This is George Fenneman signing off for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. (laughs) 